squirrel friends and welcome back to Alt Marketing School. It's Fab here today who has somehow a very squirrel head. So I had to enlist, as always, my um, partner in crime, Steph, to help me making sure that I don't go off tangents. Steph, how do you feel about this mission today? I feel amazing about this mission. And shall I say to all the squirrel friends, squeakity, squeak, squeakity. <laughs> oh no, she's off. <laughs> Okay, does anybody else have that kind of crying laughter because it's happening right now? Oh, God, squeaky this week. Okay, you got me there. You got me there, son. Um, <laughs> if anyone right. gets the reference, please put in the comments. <laughs> Let us know. I got it, but I'm not going to mention because inside jokes work. And funnily enough, um, today we're actually going to be talking about kind of personal branding and making yourself more human. So I think it's a great way to start because I'm a big fan of understanding how you can inject more personality into who you are regardless of who you are and obviously today's guest is incredible Christine who also was part of our top 100 list it kind of ties into that personality piece in a way that the our top 100 which if you don't know is a list of 100 trailblazers in marketing that were nominated and a lot of people a lot of people like a lot shared the nominations with 250 people to sweep through um, so that was fun. And uh, I'm going to tell you about some of the learnings maybe before we jump on to the episode, because I think it was so interesting. But one of the things is that a lot of the people that we wanted to also spotlight, because obviously there was a lot of people dwindling down to 100, was people that we could also kind of get a better understanding of who they were and what their mission was and what they wanted to do. And a lot of the time that really comes down, not just to, okay, this is my purpose. This is what I want to do. But also that personality piece, kind of being able to see from their social accounts, which is what people will put through, like share, kind of who they were. And I think that really kind of is something that I'm going to talk a lot about today. And that really helps us reflecting on the power of personal branding too. Now, Steph, are you interested in hearing some of the lessons from the top 100 before we jump on? I would, definitely. Especially because if you're thinking about doing one, don't. Okay, I'm joking. But think about it. That's what I'm going to say. The reason why I want to mention this is because there is something, something that actually I call in my book, Reclaim Your Time Off, Time Dysmorphia, which is our struggle with actually be understanding and evaluating how much time it takes us to do something. And I think marketers are the best at this. And I know that you've experienced it too as well when it comes to some of your work and the projects you've been working on, Steph. But I'm pretty sure the listener will know exactly what I mean. You think it's going to take you an hour and it takes you 16. And that's literally the main lesson from the top 100. And we've done it before for my old company, Creative Impact. And we knew it was a great initiative and I wanted to bring it back or at least see if people would be receptive to it. But again, despite learning, you know, uh, madness, uh, definition of madness is doing the same thing and expecting different results. I kind of came at it being like, no, 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 it's not going to take us too long. Uh, a couple of hours of my husband in the middle of the night having to update all the headshots later. It took us a long time. It took us a long time. In a way, it was a good lesson because I think I we learned already how we're going to make it a bit easier and a bit smoother for us going forward when we're going to do it again. But it's kind of hard. I don't know if you experienced it as well. When you do something and you don't know if it's going to work, implementing systems for it and making it as streamlined as possible you kind of don't know if it's worth it because then if you're not going to do it again 
what's the point? I don't know if you ever had that stuff, but that's literally what we had to do. We had to find a compromise between making some things easier for ourselves, which I can share afterwards if you want, like two things that really helped us, but also not wanting to set up hours of systems because then if we're not going to do it again, what's the point? I don't know if you ever had that. Oh, yeah, totally. I think it's that thing of definitely defining why you're doing it in the first place. And like you say, kind of having that balance of if I'm going to do it again while I'm doing it now, can I do something to help myself in the future? I think it's that thing of the first time you do anything, there's a lot of figuring out or trying to figure, like you say, the systems that have to be put in place even to do it once and then you think, right, the next time it should take a lot less time, but then you probably fall into other problems that you didn't face the first time. So, um, but yes, I think systems definitely the first time round are a great place to put them in the in there and then figure tweak them afterwards. Actually, that's a great point that gets me to one of the things that we did this time, which worked really well that we learned from the first time we have a data top 100 not obviously with all marketing school which was suggested by my old team member amy shout out to amy who uh, was doing all the outreach at the time and we're talking about three years ago and she was like i'm spending hours doing canva templates for people why don't we just create a template that can duplicate and just make it theirs and then add the final bits and after go they send it so we actually give them something, but we also let them, if they want to share it and they want to share it with the picture, it's a two-step thing. Yes, you know, remove friction for your people, but also keep your sanity. So we did it that time and we did it again this time. And it was so much easier because Charlie, who is my um, lovely assistant and she is our admin and logistics queen, she could just kind of pop them through and people were using them. We saw it, they can choose the dark or the light version. Added the picture, added the name, changed a couple of colors if they wanted to, which was fine, and off it went. So I genuinely, genuinely think um, what you said is is very true. Like you will learn from those past things, and then you will remember and implement them. That would be one of my top suggestions. If you're doing something at this at this scale, whether it's a list of a hundred people, uh, whether it is you know like a report or a trend, think about how can other people amplify this for you. And make it easy for them, but also make it easy for yourself. I think that's my double trouble. And the other thing I wanted to mention, just as a bit of a roundup before we jump into our sesh, is what you mentioned about the reason why you're doing it. Because we got asked that, and obviously it worked before, so I knew that it made sense. But also I thought about how we position ourselves, and it goes back to your mission, your vision, your values. Every campaign that we do, everything that I actually put some time into and heart and soul is because it reflects who we want to be. And we are very much facilitators in the way that we show up as the school. Obviously, we want to teach positive impact marketing and our knowledge, but I don't do it all myself. We have teachers throughout the cohort. We also have our members that we want to spotlight as experts within their own rights. I genuinely believe that I'm not the only one that knows how to do things well, thank God. And... Um, so everything we do, whether it's the content, whether it's in our products, we amplify the people's voices so that they can share their knowledge and their expertise as long as they fit with our values. So when it comes to a more quote-unquote-unquote viral campaign, it makes more sense for us to actually look at spotlighting people that we've been following and that people love and then we've been sharing content of than doing something else that could be equally as valuable, like a, a full-on summit or other things 
I think it goes back to what we talked about with our open day episode. If you haven't listened to go and check it out, which is, you know, how does it fit within what you already do? How does it fit within the narrative of who you are? And is always the slippery slope of a really cool framework or a really cool campaign that you see and you're like, well, people are loving this. Should I do it as well? And it's always like the back of my head is like, but does it fit with, you know, who you are and how people are going to perceive you? And a lot of people, a lot of marketers don't think about that. And you just jump into it and then it just falls flat on its beautiful face. That's what I would say. With a splat. (laughs) (laughs) With a splat. And talking about beautiful faces, not splats, obviously, um, today, again, aside from this, which I hope gave you some ideas, especially if you want to try something new, I also, once again, wanted to renew my invitation for you to think about your own personal brand. And it doesn't matter whether you're a marketer, an intern, or a CEO of the biggest world company. Everybody can become an awesome superstar. And as Christine Gritman said in our podcast, marketers market thyselves. It's really funny. We are the worst at marketing ourselves. And a lot of us are actually pretty good at helping others, but kind of finding that flexing that muscle for ourselves can be really, really hard. So if you don't know where to start or you just want some extra inspiration, please keep on listening because we're going to introduce today to the lovely Christine, who is part of our top 100, but also within their mission, she empowers professionals to step into their professional and personal brand in a bigger, bolder way on social She will teach you how to do it. And she knows her stuff. She's spoken on stages worldwide and is a frequent expert guest on podcasts like ours. You can also find her in blog posts, live stream, Twitter chats. And she hosts her own weekly podcast, Let's Talk About Brand. And you can check out my episode on her podcast as well if you're interested in hearing more about personal branding and reclaiming time. Without further ado, once again, we will be back very, very soon, aka next week. But in the meantime, may today's class begin. Hello, squirrel friends, and welcome back to All to Marketing School. It looks like today we had a false start, but we are now officially recording and ready to roll. How do we feel, beautiful and shiny, Christine? We feel beautiful and shiny. How how are we feeling today? Well, aside from beautiful and shiny, what what is the word of the day? Oh, the word of the day. The word of the day actually goes with that. It's shine. <laughs> Literally let it shine. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for accepting my invitation. I feel it was longer overdue. I was on your wonderful show and now it feels only rightful that I bring you in to talk about branding and all the good things when it comes to that as well. I love it. It's an honor to be on and I hope I do as well on your show as you did on mine. Of course you will, because I'm going to start with one of my favorite questions. So this is a very random question, Christine. So I am generally excited to hear the answer. And um, I would love to hear from you. If you could choose one trivia category you would be really good at, which one would it be and why? Ooh. And is there a specific handful of trivia categories that you would suggest? Or can I just anything? Go wild, please. The wilder, the hmm. better. I would do really well at trivia categories about specific media properties. Like super, spe- like 
the Princess Bride <laughs> trivia. I do really well at. I actually went once to trivia for the show How I Met Your Mother, um, which I don't think they had over there in the UK. Um, and I didn't do as well as I thought I would, even though I was obsessed with that show. But I think Princess Bride trivia, I do incredibly well at. And in fact, back in like around the turn of the century, there was a website that had daily trivia about the movies of director Kevin Smith. And I did really well at that trivia as well. So certain movies and things I've watched over and over and over again, I would absolutely slay if there were um, trivia on those categories. And I absolutely love that you mentioned The Princess Bride, because if I'm correct at time of recording, they were actually leaked that there's going to be yet another sequel, I think. So (gasps) what? Going, I mean, I saw it actually, fun fact, Christine, I saw it as a meme. So that's literally how I get my pop culture reference now, by using a meme. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait, the meme is about the Princess Bride. Why is that? Oh, there's a new movie potentially coming up. I was like, wow, <laughs> this is literally going to get it. I haven't heard about that. I'm intrigued. It might, it might be that it was fake news, but I doubt it. So go and check everyone. I have to check. <laughs> I'm not sure if they could recapture the magic, though. We'll see. I agree. That was a young Anne Hathaway. There was a lot of magic in that. So we'll see. Oh, oh, that's the Princess Diaries. (gasps) Which one is the Princess Bride then? (laughs) Jesus. Ah. Princess Bride is from from the 80s. And it's kind of like a fairy tale. Well, I mean, so is Princess Diaries. Fun fact about the Princess Diaries, though. I went to school with Anne Hathaway right after she made it, but before it came out. So she like she knew she was about to become really, really famous, but she hadn't quite yet. So she was doing college for a minute and we acted in a play together. I played her best friend on stage. I love it. See, OK, we got an amazing <laughs> random fun fact by me making an absolute massive mistake. Also, caveat. All good. You know what? They all involve princesses. It's all good. <laughs> Final caveat today, by the way, is that I only saw that in Italian. So that's the problem. The names are always different. I don't know. Fun fact, if people don't oh, know, yeah. the titles are always different. So that's why I thought it was that one. So The Princess Diaries is having a sequel, not The Princess Bride. Got it. And I did hear that. And I hope that that one happens. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it will. Now, going back, actually, maybe <laughs> not to college, but maybe we do go back to college. Christine, what is the first job you had? And also, what did you learn from it? First job I had, I was 16 years old. And I was a singing bus girl at an Italian restaurant. And and the way it happened was a friend of mine lived above the restaurant. And so we were all just hanging out at her house after school one day. And then we went downstairs to wait outside because someone's parents were picking them up. And there was a boy I liked and I was trying to impress him. So I started, you know, singing opera in the street, you know, very impressive. He turned out to be gay. But anyway, um, and there was an Italian restaurant right there. And someone said, I dare you to go sing inside. And I said, well, I'll, I'll go sing inside if Paul carries me in. Um, and he did. <laughs> he, he put me down giggling and the, and the bartender who turned out to be the owner said, can, can I help you? I said, my friend stared me to sing. He said, all right, let's hear it. And I sung O Mio Babino Caro and I did well. And he said, would you like a job? But, but the problem is they didn't normally have singers So I just kind of randomly sing an aria or an art song or something, you know, standing there in between busing tables, which I was actually really bad at. And and eventually I lost the job because I called out sick at the last minute a few too many times to go hang out with my boyfriend because I was 16 and that's how it goes. So two things that I learned from that. One of them 
is just go for it. You never know what will happen. Like when, when I accepted that dare to go in and sing, I had no idea they would hire me to sing. I mean, I was just a random 16 year old who could sing. So, so, you know, go for it. Cause you really never know what things will lead to. That's so random. And the other thing I learned is, you know, tend to your responsibilities. I know going and hanging out with the boyfriend was, was fun and all of that, but I really should have been a bit more responsible because now that I'm older, I realize, oh, you know, being short one bus girl probably kind of screwed over the wait staff. I mean, other people had plans and, and a, a workflow based on me doing my part. So, so that was kind of crappy of me to, 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 go, to go do that. <laughs> I'm still friends with the boyfriend. <laughs> but what an excellent story in general, overall. What an excellent first job. Yeah. Like we heard a lot of them and a lot of them involve paper rounds. And I think, you know, we're kind of sending that to the next level. And I love I love the lessons as well from it. So that's that's really, really fun. Uh, I'm not going <laughs> to ask you to sing an aria, but I'm kind of tempted. But maybe by the end, we might surprise people <laughs> with that. I'm a little rusty. <laughs> now, the final question before we jump into our class in session, which is our main section of the show, is... Obviously, we at Auto Marketing School are all about encouraging people to market to hearts, not to brains. So we like to ask our guests, what does making a positive impact on your audience mean to you, Christine, and why? It means focusing on what will actually make their lives better versus what you want to sell them. And I know we've heard over and over again that you have to think of the customer, not yourself. You have to think of your audience, not yourself. Tell their story, not your story. I admittedly struggle with that because my thing is personal branding. I'm all about telling my story, but I, I have to reframe that. But especially, you know, you have to realize that what you're selling ultimately does have to actually serve them in the way they wish to be served, not the way that you think they should wish to be served. You can't create a need. You need to fill a need that's already there. And in order to be able to do that effectively, it involves listening. It involves taking a step back from your own wants and needs and actually, you know, paying attention, listening without speaking or, or asking the right questions and being genuinely curious about what the answers are and open to the fact that it may be different from what you want them to be. So you need to be prepared for that possibility and prepared for the fact that you may have to change your whole game plan around if it's not really what they need. But, you know, if you re if you really care, you'll do it. You'll you'll do what they need rather than what you want them to need. I love that. And actually, thank you so much for sharing that, because I think it brings back something that we forget about sometimes, which is actually that working in marketing can be really humbling whether you do it only for yourself as a full personal brand or self-employed, or whether you do it for a company or with somebody else within the company, you have to, sometimes you're either the person that has to recognize it for themselves or go and tell everybody else in the team, we might be missing the mark here. Whether it's because, as you yeah. say, the need, it can be also be the need has changed. I want to mention that because you mentioned it might be that it's not the right need. It might be that the need has changed. It might be so many reasons. Yeah, But I think there's a lot of, you know, it can be hard sometimes to step back and be like, yeah, we are kind of not doing the right thing for your ego if you're on your own or going to your boss or to the rest of your team and be like, this is not what people want. So I love that you're mentioning that because I think that maybe that fear stops us sometimes to ask the real questions that we should asking or to investigate a bit further, if you know what I mean. And a lot of a lot of businesses experienced this changing of needs, especially over the past three years, you know, in 2020, 
needs shifted dramatically and they shifted again in 2021. It was fascinating. I had my best year in business in 2020 because um, suddenly all these small business, I was helping small businesses at the time and all these businesses that had been sort of waiting and putting off getting online, putting off doing anything digital, they realized now, oh man, if we don't do it now, we're not going to have a business to come back to at the end of all this. So in 2020, it was very sink or swim. And so suddenly I did have people coming to me and asking for my help and actually doing the things that I was teaching them because their business was on the line. They recognized that it was not a nice to have, it was a must have. And so that was great in 2020. In 2021, a lot of businesses of the type, again, I was working with tiny businesses at the time. I work with bigger businesses now um, and executives and all of that, but I was working with tiny mom and pop businesses. And a lot of them in 2021, they were cautiously reopening. They were terrified that they'd have to close down again. They were making investments in things like, you know, shields and, and whatever investments they had to make in order to reopen. And so they were not in a position to spend money on social media strategy. They they were very fear based. Both of them were kind of fear based things. In 2020, they were fear based in a way that benefited me, uh, which was still not great. I like it when it's not fear based. I like it when I'm helping people who have a growth mentality. And they were admittedly kind of scarcity driven, but whatever. But then in 2021, they were really kind of traumatized by 2020. They were really terrified that they'd reopen and still lose their business. And so, I mean, the needs had shifted. What they needed was um, something I guess I didn't know how to give them or maybe what they needed just wasn't me. Um, and then I just I just shifted my market. I shifted my offerings. I said, you know what? I'm going to work with executives and other professionals instead of with these you know, small local businesses because they didn't need what I was selling. And so either you sell something different to them or you sell something to different people. So, so that had to be kind of a flex. And I think that everything's kind of still, still shifting. People are doing different, people are doing di business differently than they did before 2020 in all sorts of different ways. And now we've got the dawn of the metaverse. We've got like all these things happening. Um, so I think especially if you're in digital and if you're in digital marketing, you especially have to be open to the fact that things are going to change. The sentiment of your consumer base is going to change the actualities of business. Doing business in 2023 is going to be ever changing. So yeah, got to be prepared to shift. I love that. And it's one of those things is the kind of um, the love and the hate for the word pivoting, which before... I yeah. do boxing. So before I was like, I know pivoting. Pivoting, you pivot when you're boxing, you just turn around so you can do a, a better like back hook. And then you're like, no, wait a second. Pivoting now means something else as well. And then everybody in business started mm -hmm. talking about pivoting. And I could see my clients just starting to literally retreat in terror, be like, don't say that word again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think I love them. I love We're getting dizzy from all the pivots. I know, right? It's like a like a waltz that we didn't really like uh, agree to actually get onto. Um but I think there's a good lesson in there is like when you get used to that change, when you accept that change is becoming a concept, which it is in a way, but I think for businesses, it was a lot slower for a lot longer. I think yeah. you also make your life a lot better. You make everything a lot easier when you accept that change is, is more of a constant, even if the word pivot might still scare you, which we appreciate. <laughs> it's evolution. 
And unfortunately, when it comes to marketing, you have to evolve extra quickly. I agree. I agree. Talking about that, classes in session. So now I want to know what you can teach us. I would love to see or hear from you. One thing that you can teach our students and our listener, our dear listener, in one minute or less. What would that look like, Christine? Okay, so do I get a timer or what? Uh, There is going to be a a visual timer that you can see if you go on YouTube, but let's put it this way. We'll trust you. I'll put a timer on my phone. I love it. How about that? I'll do the stopwatch. Obsessed. Okay, let's see. How fast, what, what key thing can I deliver about personal branding? All right, and go. It is so much easier than people think to put your personal brand uh, out on the internet in a way that will actually get traction. First of all, it's simpler than people think it is. You don't have to invent something. You just need to figure out who you are, why people need to know that, who those people are that need to know it. So that's really what you need to figure out. Um, You should not have a million different stories. People really worry that if they're not all things to all people, they won't be found and they want to put as many, you know, lines in the water as possible to get different fish to bite. No, you're going for, you really do have to be unafraid to niche down so that that message is clear and it is everywhere. So that's all it really is. It's about figuring out who are you? Why should people care? Who are those people who should care? And then making sure that everything you do is done through that prism. Your profiles are current and set up under that prism. The messaging you put out, the content you create, all ties towards that one set of facts. What's the time score? Was it a minute? All right. We're good. Woo! It was. <laughs> well done. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you what, so far, since we introduced this section, you are probably being one of the more concise, yet also like like on point so I love that and you speak as fast as I do I try (laughs) that's because I know right here and right now you know who am I I'm Christine Gritman personal branding strategist uh why should people care because I break it down for you and I make personal branding an easy and not scary thing that can be really effective for you and who needs to know that your students because they're studying marketing and they and you know marketer market thyself (laughs) I love that. That, that. that might actually be the name of the episode. We'll see. Um, there you go. Actually, talking about the who, we had a bit of a sneak peek conversation about question number two. So we're going to get back to your who and obviously who needs personal branding with our second question from this section, which is what is something that you unlearned recently that has improved either your life or your day-to-day work, Christine? Yeah, and this is something a lot of people are unlearning recently, but I had a very profound experience with it myself um, in the last year, which is that personal, when we think of personal branding, you know, maybe we think of those annoying internet influencers, but a lot of times when I think of people with strong personal brands, when I think of thought leaders, I think of people who are solopreneurs or speaking is their main gig or they own, you know, their own consultancy. I think of that person as being their own employer, essentially, when you when it comes down to it. And a lot of that is because the old school way of thinking really was, you know, you don't want to be all about yourself when you're employed by another brand. You want to be all about them. You want to show loyalty. You want to, you know, make sure that everything you do is theirs. 
and you don't want them to get worried that you'll, you know, leave or something. So it used to be this idea of you don't need a personal brand if you're working for other people. A strong network is a different thing from a personal brand. You do, there was always an understanding that in business you needed a strong network, but it always stopped just short of the personal brand element of creating content uh, as as your brand, of, of doing things that put yourself out there in a bigger, bolder way. And so I think we've all been unlearning that the past several years. I actually credit the millennial generation with that because they came in and shook up the workforce when they were entering it. And now they're the bosses. Now millennials are turning 40. So um, I think that they're creating some permanent workplace changes. And as a digital native generation, they have, um, they've grown up in a time when personal branding was a thing that we, you know, have all just had for all these years. I remember when I first saw Facebook, I thought it was crazy that a slightly younger friend of mine had hundreds of pictures up on Facebook. I'm like, how do hundreds of pictures of yourself on the internet? That's crazy, which is so ironic now, (laughs) given who I am and how many thousands and thousands of pictures of me there are on the internet now. But I think that there has been this way of spotlighting yourself heralded by social media, but of course it's gone way beyond that now. And so the fact that people who grew up with that and have always had that 15 minutes of fame situation in their lives, the fact that they are now the ones who are actually creating the workforce cultures. First, they came in and and disrupted it, and now they are the ones in charge. So I think that's a huge part of it. The idea that you can be employed and still have a strong personal brand. It's in fact, not only smart for you, it's obvious how it's smart for you. You you always want to make sure that you're known and liked and trusted. Got to quote Bob Berg always, but also, um, you know, it gives you flexibility. But here's the thing. It's also good for your employer. And this is something that employers are unlearning and that I had to unlearn because after five years of being self-employed, I... About a year ago, actually a year ago the other day, um, I started a job for the first time in five years working for someone else. And I knew when I decided to apply for jobs, I needed to work for a company that I knew wouldn't make me let go, not only my personal brand, they wouldn't tell me to tone it down, but would actually see it as an asset. That was really important to me. And so thankfully, um, because I have a strong network, I knew enough people um, in various uh, companies to know which companies wouldn't mess with that. And Agora Pulse, where I work now, is certainly one of them. And I knew that because I had been an affiliate for Agora Pulse for many years. And so they knew the value of my personal brand. I knew that they weren't going to make me get rid of mine. In fact, when I do shows like this, when I'm on a podcast, when I'm on a live stream, when I'm speaking somewhere... They proudly uh, shout it out on the Agora Pulse channels now because they like, they're very smart. They like showing that their employees are active. They are in the industry and they are people who people in the industry want to hear from. They are sought out. Agora Pulse has great minds working for them. Smart companies are really starting to rock that now. They're realizing, you know, first of all, these people who are good at their jobs, that's 
they should be developing thought leadership out there. That also makes the company look good because it says, oh, they have these smart people. It also spreads awareness of the company because those people have their own awareness. And so if the company's name is kind of tagged along with theirs, that's good for getting the company name out there. But it also attracts good talent because like, let's look at marketing profs, for example. Um, Anne Handley is their chief content officer. Anne Hanley is incredible. Anne Hanley has such a strong personal brand that I'm sure a lot of people think that she is purely self-employed. She's the chief content officer for Marketing Profs. And they have absolutely recognized the value of having her personal brand in their company. That's how I even know about the company, because I know her. Um, and and she, she headlines their event and all of these things. I mean, how do I know about Alt Marketing School? I know about Alt Marketing School because I heard about this fabulous Fab Giovanetti. And, you know, I, I said, oh, what's her deal? I keep seeing her name around. And then I was like, oh, she has something to do with branding. And then I was like, oh, she's the founder of Alt Marketing School. Okay, cool. And then I started looking at Alt Marketing School. And so even though it's a perfectly awesome thing on its own that I probably would have found out about sooner or later anyway, simply because it is, you know, a great company. I really found out about it because of you, because it's it's a lot easier to latch on to a person than it is to latch on to a company. Because a lot of companies, especially since a lot of companies have similar names and they do similar things, but a person really stands out. A person sinks in. A person gets followed. And then that can in turn lead someone who's interested in that person and what they're saying to look into what that person is doing and where. I love that. And I love what you mentioned about all of it, by the way. So it was like excellent. But also there's something that you mentioned within obviously, you know, following that person and actually looking at their knowledge. And I love they use Anne's example as well. Also, Amanda Navidad is a great example. She works for Spark Toro. Yes, Meh. absolutely. She's a fantastic example. And even Rand, her boss, her boss, Rand Fishkin. He's a great example, too, because he's been other places. The reason I know what Spark Toro is, is because I followed his journey since before Spark Toro. Exactly. So I love that. And I think it really shows that once you... If you are the employer, let's say, if you are the person that she's encouraging your team, then as long as your values are clear also to your team, I think that's important. As long as, you know, you know that you can actually support them, as you say, and you know that what they talk about in their personal brand is relevant to your company, then obviously it's going to be a natural progression that if you talk about content marketing, they're going to look up what you talk about and then they're going to discover that you actually work in a company that is an agency for content marketing or whatever that is. So I love that. I think it, it, it makes a lot of sense and I'm so happy that so many companies now are encouraging that a lot more because, as you say, it's an invaluable asset. I think your people, your team are a very still underrated asset in a lot of companies. That's kind of, That's where I'm at. That's my opinion. Yeah. And it's something that a lot of companies are still working to unlearn. And I think there is going to be a real divide between um, the companies that learn it and the companies that don't in terms of their presence and their brand's presence in their industries. I love that. And now the final question from this section, just to kind of hand on mm. a high, is looking at somebody else. So what is one of the biggest lessons that a teacher, a mentor, somebody that you can look up to has taught you? I was at, it's funny because this person probably doesn't really realize what an impact she had on my life. I should write to her sometimes and tell her, but um, 
I first developed my personal brand while I was employed, actually, <laughs> at a different place as a journalist, a local journalist. And I had started and net, going out and networking in our community became something that I sort of made part of my job. And then they later eventually promoted me. So it was actively part of my job. And I started going to a local group for business women. And one of the speakers there, I already had in the back of my head the idea of starting my own thing. I already had in the back of my head the idea of maybe leaving the paper where I was very happy, where I was very happy, and starting my own social media consulting thing. But I was terrified. You know, I was used to the comfort of, of a job. But then another big thing was I had imposter syndrome in my brain. I had imposter syndrome telling me, but you don't know anything. And you certainly can't prove that you know anything. How are you going to go get business if you can't prove you know anything and you actually don't know anything? And I was slowly but surely learning the truth, which is that you only need to know more than the person who is paying you to help them. You, these people knew a lot less than I realized the fact that it came easily to me did not mean it did not have value. But so to get to the event, we're at this event and this woman gave a talk about standing in the power of your worth. And she explained that your worth is not how difficult something is for you. It's not even how hard you have to work at something. It's not how complex it is. It's how valuable it is to the other person. Which kind of connects back to what we were talking about at the beginning about how you really have to think about the other person's needs, you know, what they need, the problem they need solved and how they need it solved versus what you're trying to sell them. And so she she was just like that idea of it's not about what you think it's worth and it's not even about what it would be worth to you. It's about what it's worth to them. And recognizing that that absolutely has value and that value is probably a lot higher than you think it is. You have to stop thinking about how you would value it and start thinking about how they would value it. And that just, that, I think it was at that very event that I finally, for the first time, told someone that I was thinking about starting my own business. Because the idea of charging for something that I thought was so obvious, I thought was so clear, felt almost dishonest. It felt almost sleazy, um, which is very funny now looking back to think that I thought helping people learn how to do social media was somehow something without value. But uh, but I, I did because it came easily to me. And so her idea of stop looking at it as how you would value it uh, because your your pain points are not their pain points. Your skills are not their skills. And if they need something that you have, there's a value to that. So get get it. Get that value. <laughs> and and that really did change everything. And and it, it really just helped me progressively shut off the parts of my brain that were trying to hold me back from doing it and and eventually led to me starting Christine Gritman Inc. in 2016. I genuinely believe that lessons like this or reminders like this, we cannot hear them enough because regardless of whether you're starting yeah. out or you want to start out or maybe you want to make a change or maybe again kind of step more into your worth is a good reminder because I think there's, there's always, you talk about up-leveling um which one was that was the book that talks about up leveling oh, i forgot about it i, I have the there's a few yeah i have the name of it over the time <laughs> i'm gonna say oh the big leap or something like that see so, you know i have the the book but 
when you think about up leveling is all about at some point you will outgrow anything whether it's the services you offer whether it's again even just literally like the pricing or maybe your current job so i think all those times go back to what christine just said and obviously what she said to you as well because i think it's a very very powerful reminder for everyone so thank you for that thank you now we've got more quick fire I promise it's not going to be a timer mm-hmm. for this one, but it's a quick fire. I'm going to give you okay. a quick this or that, and you would have to choose between two things, Christine. So I hope you are ready because <clears throat> we're going to start out with one of the hardest ones for me, but we'll see how you get along. <clears throat> All right. Ready? Got okay. It. So first one, Spotify playlist or podcast? Spotify playlist. Nice. Is there... I'm bad. I'm a podcaster. I should be saying podcast, but I'm being I'm being honest. I love it. What what kind of playlist? If you have to say like top two, like top two kind of type of kind of music playlist that you go back to again and again, what are they? It's funny because the music that I consider myself as liking is like, you know, hard alternative rock. But when I put on a Spotify playlist, I need to get pumped. So it's a lot of Lizzo. <laughs> Honestly, I am the same. It's scary how how similar I am. I was like, I can listen to ACDC on one side, but then Mm -hmm. Lizzo's got something. When you need the little like pop power-up song, she's the one. Yeah. Pop power-ups are generally what I go to Spotify for. It's stuff I don't necessarily own, though I do own lots of Lizzo. um, But it's stuff I don't necessarily own, but it's there for a quick hit of getting me pumped. I love that. So again, little pick me up for Lizzo, anyone, if you need it. <laughs> um, second one, voice notes or texts? Texts. Nice. I have a handful of friends who are into voice notes, and they know that me listening to their voice notes and responding in voice notes is a sign of my undying love and affection because I hate them. <laughs> Maybe one day they'll wear you down. I generally had the same. Now I I can use them, but I'm a bit like you. Like if I had to choose, I would always choose text. So I hear you. I hear you. Now, carousels or reels? Carousels. Nice. I'm warming up to reels, but carousels. So the next one is going to be interesting. TikTok or YouTube? YouTube. Nice. Oh, memes or audio trends? memes i know that if gif wasn't there that probably would have been the winner but this is yeah. <laughs> we share a lot for <laughs> gifts as well which is excellent um last but not least christine uh newsletter or twitter if you had to choose oh i am obsessed with twitter <laughs> again if you it's been a hard it's been a hard time for me these recent months because i love twitter <laughs> <laughs> and the thing at the time that you're listening everyone we're still probably going to be in these murky waters but i think mm-hmm. hopefully twitter's still around oh gosh <laughs> that's the other thing if not we'll have to change <laughs> i will actually have to change if not the question and kind of make it something else uh but yeah we shall see that's the thing we're kind of foreshadowing let's record an alt let's record an alt version <laughs> i love it just pop that right in <laughs> just add something else instead awesome well well done for surviving the this or that. Now we're kind of slowing up the pace just a tiny bit. I have a few more questions. Mm-hmm. The first one is one of my favorites, I'll be honest, because I love to find out about new or maybe, you know, unconventional tools. So what is one of your favorite underrated tools when it comes to your work, whether it's in the marketing sphere or maybe personal branding or social media? What would be one underrated tool that you can think of? Hmm... Because the, to- the tools that I use the most are not underrated because everybody uses Canva. Lots of people use Agora Pulse. Um, I would say 
I really love the Notes app, the Humble Notes app on my phone and on my desktop, because even though everyone has, has all these fancy versions and they've got Evernote and they've got, you know, whatever they've got, I mean, this just syncs between my laptop and my phone automatically. I can share some of them with my husband, which is great. Um, so they automatically update on our phones. You know, if you're in a very Apple-based environment, I'm sure there are apps that do things better. You know, we used to keep our grocery list on a Trello board we both had access to. But you know what? It's so much easier to just go into our notes. Humble notes. I love the Humble Notes app. Fun fact. Love that you mentioned that. Is honestly, aside from actual tools, like specific tools, is the number one. Like if I have to look at everybody, like they kind of, everybody looks a bit guilty and they're like, I have to say no sap. And I'm like, yep, there it goes. It makes sense. It's free people. <laughs> it's free. And as you say, you can make it yours, <laughs> which any tool that allows me then to customize it and make it mine in whichever way is one of my faves. So I second that. Uh, I'm going away in a couple of weeks and I have a, a note stock about packing that I still have from the last trip I took. So I'm changing. It's a different type of trip. So I'm I'm changing it. I'm moving things around, but it's it's very helpful that I have a place to start from, and it's right there. And I didn't need anything fancy to do it. Love it. What is the last picture you took on your phone, Christine? Ooh, it was the, it was this picture that I took of us. I'm sitting here at my desk, and I took a picture of actually with my computer and my camera and my ring light and my messy <laughs> office and all of that behind it. You know, so that I can put on Instagram stories later that I'm going that I just recorded your podcast and then when it actually comes out I'll also use that picture again and be like look I was on Fab's podcast so I'll probably use the show graphic for that one but maybe a bit of both you know love it excellent yeah everything is content so you know living is content take a picture of what you're doing that's your content I stopped myself from saying be real, but it kind of came up into my head. Just, like, just be real. <laughs> just be real. I had be real for three days and I just couldn't figure it out. And then I said, you know what? I'm 42. I don't, I don't need to. <laughs> I'm not going to force myself. <laughs> I've learned enough. <laughs> that is very true. Again, I actually never downloaded it to the shock of a lot of people because I always will try a new platform. But I've been like, I actually mm -hmm. share all of my stuff in other places quite naturally. And I'm happy yeah. to do it there. That's kind of how it is. I don't need prompts. I don't need more reminders for me to share content. I don't think people need to see more of my daily life. Um, <laughs> just saying. You, you follow me. You know how I roll. <laughs> they would love it, but I think they're fine. No, I understand. Actually, going back to social platforms now, since we talked about BB Ariel. Um, I know it might be still a touchy subject based on what we just talked about, but what is right now your favorite social media platform and why? It is a touchy subject. It's it's because it's Twitter. I love Twitter. And I'm really sad about what Elmo has been doing to it. <laughs> Elmo! <laughs> that's that's what the haters are calling him. We're calling him Elmo. <laughs> Which is which is terrible because he's he's not a lovable fluffy three year old red monster <laughs> he's just a monster no um I I it, it makes me sad because he doesn't get what was so lovable about the platform and I hope he makes good on his promise to get a different CEO and to take a step back um, but because I really do love Twitter I developed the best relationships mm. there um, it really was responsible for my shift to personal branding because my personal brand took such wings there on Twitter that it's where people started saying to me, you know, you should focus on personal branding stuff because you're great at it. 
Um, and it's not like I'm not doing this stuff on other platforms, but Twitter was where it first opened my eyes to the possibilities and, and the power of all of that. However, if Twitter goes away, <laughs> I, I love them for different things. I have a lot of fun on Instagram, mm-hmm. but I think I'm going to get more serious about LinkedIn this year. Nice, nice. It's something that I heard yeah, everybody think- saying, by the way. LinkedIn's getting weirder in a good way because it's getting a lot of the Twitter traffic and people are saying, you know what? I feel like the weirdness of Twitter, Tumblr is a better place to put that. Put it on Tumblr, put it on Reddit, put your weird Twitter self on there. But then the the connection making and, and all of that, I feel like that really is happening on LinkedIn more and it's making people bring more of their full selves to the platform in a way they maybe didn't on LinkedIn before. Um, but again, my personal self is more on, on Instagram and Instagram stories, trying to get myself to do reels. I'm not great with it. I don't like editing. I have a degree in film. Um, I know how to edit. I, I don't like to do it. So um, yeah, but Twitter, I love Twitter. So who should we follow on Twitter then? If you have to give us one recommendation, who would it be? C. Gritman. <laughs> not even breathing i like it all right but besides me uh christina garnett is a great twitter follow she's that christina g and um she did a great thing a couple of years ago she she tweeted out i think she had just gotten a big influx of followers so she was kind of spreading the love and she said hey if you're a marketer on twitter and you have less than a thousand followers comment on this thread and everyone should kind of check each other out and that that's being labeled kind of the birth of marketing Twitter, as it were. Obviously, marketing Twitter was a thing already, but it really did help bring a lot of people together. A lot of professional connections were made on that thread. Um, some romantic connections were made on that thread. I'm sure there have been marriages, um, but there were a lot of a lot of connection made a lot of connections made on that thread and through that thread. And so, um, and Christina is a community manager. Community is her whole jam. She manages community for HubSpot. So um, she she lives it. It's who she is as a person. So she's a great person to follow. She's very supportive. Um, and, you know, she's also a nice person. I've met her in real life. She's lovely. Excellent recommendation. And I'm a big fan of when I see those threads, when there's a lot of spreading the love and kind of like recommending people. Actually, fun fact, we did that for our top 100 coming out that came out this year i did i saw that and it was just because we had some people in mind that we've been following we've been seeing when it comes to marketers but then it's also like well i do have a network of incredible people that will be able to bring some other individuals into the mix that we wouldn't have known otherwise and i'll be honest i wasn't expecting to be as successful as it was we had to wade through 350 people in the end uh (laughs) it was hard to make it down to the to the (laughs) hundred but so again, thank you as well, because talking about people that amplified, you also amplified that for us. Um, and that mm-hmm. was a great thread. Lots of people that we discovered as well. And then it was nice because then other people then follow with each other. So I definitely see the power in it. And it's such a simple thing to do. People don't even think about it. It's such a simple thing to really make the most of your network and support them. Yeah, people who shine a big shiny light on other awesome people are my favorite kinds of people. That should be a teacher. Like you. Oh, bless. Thank you. That should be on a t-shirt, by the way. I like it. <laughs> as well as marketers, market thyself. I like that too. Yes. Talking about messages. Um, if you could broadcast one message onto everybody's phone, what would that one message say? 
you are more interesting than you think. Oh, that's a good one. That prevents a lot of people from from um, creating content, from showing up online, from even just, you know, putting their personalities out there, even in real life. People feel like, oh, well, who am I? I'm boring. Like, most people think they're boring. I'm sure there's some people who find themselves endlessly fascinating. <laughs> a lot of us think, oh, I'm just normal. But you're more interesting than you think. The day-to-day minutia of your everyday life is more interesting than you think. This seems like a weird example, but I was talking to the social media manager for Auntie Anne's pretzels. And one of the things that gets the most uh, response is when they just show making the pretzels. (laughs) And if you work at the pretzel stand in the mall, you probably don't think that's a very interesting part of your day. Well, guess what? Millions of TikTok viewers disagree with you there. So, um, and, and, you know, I mentioned before the last picture I took was literally just what's going on on my laptop here in my attic. Mm. So, you know, you're more interesting than you think the the details of your life. I know people like to make fun of social media, but I don't need to see your breakfast. I don't need to see your cat. I don't need to see your cat's breakfast, but a lot of things about you and your everyday life that you consider just so uninteresting are really interesting either because there's something other people don't experience or don't get to see. So it's something different. It's a window into something different. Or it's a mirror that makes them feel less alone and that they can relate to. So you're a window or a mirror. Either way, let the light through. Let people see. What a way to end the episode. Now, we could just all walk away, can Ooh. just like drop the mic and just kind of shimmy out. Um but that might be a bit odd. So we shall instead first thank you, first and foremost, um, for always shining you. your light. Because that's one of the things that definitely came across today. <laughs> Being shiny, the word of the day. Uh, and shine. Um, but also tell us a bit more about what people can find out more about you. You um, dropped it here and there, but let's give us one more shot. Where should people find out more about you or ask you any questions if they have any? Sure. Well, I am the only Christine Gritman out there. Christine spelled with a C-H, you know, like usual. And Gritman is G-R-I-T, like when something is gritty, like sand, and M-O-N, like Monday. So Christine Gritman. I'm Gritman.com. Christine Gritman is very long, but it does redirect. Um, So Gritman.com. And I'm C. Gritman on Twitter and Instagram. Christine Gritman, Inc. on Facebook. Christine Gritman on LinkedIn. Christine Gritman Inc. on YouTube. And I have a podcast called Let's Talk About Brand. My podcast on the Adweek Podcast Network drops every Monday with a video version of the podcast on Fridays. And in between, we have my Twitter chat, Chat About Brand, on Tuesdays on the week's topic. Amazing. Thank you so much, Christine. Thank you so much, as always. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much, dear listener. As always, let us know what you think. In the meantime, it's all for today. Class dismissed. Thank you so much for listening. Head to oldmarketingschool.com to find out more about the topics that we covered in this week's class. If you want to make your teachers happy, then hop onto iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Oh, and don't forget to spread the love on Instagram at Old Marketing School. Until next time.